everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of So You Want to Get Sober. My name's Mel. I'm your host, and I'm also an alcoholic. This week, I have another one of my friends on the show, and I was laughing to myself earlier because I keep saying, I'm having another one of my friends on the show, and I have so many fucking friends now. (laughs) It's difficult. I'm like, wow, I sound real conceited. Um, But anyways, I have another one of my friends on the show. And we met when I was maybe like one month into recovery. Mm -hmm. She, uh, she just totally made me feel comfortable with other people. And like, you know, I've mentioned I was a fucking weirdo in the beginning. I didn't know what to do with myself in meetings or like with other people. Like, do I just start with my daddy issues or do I say hello and (laughs) ask them how they are? (laughs) Anyways, our friendship grew and it's just been great, you know, to just have somewhere you're really comfortable around them and able to be completely yourself. And I think that's really rare to have. So um, also her story is incredible. She's, she's young. She's, uh, she's just all around cool. <laughs> so you ready, Alex, to take it away? Yep. Yes, I am. Um, yeah. So my name's Alex and I'm an alcoholic and drug addict in recovery. Um, and it's great to see you, Mel. And when you mentioned daddy issues, I was thinking about when we went to the marina farmer's market and we were like sitting by the water it was like this like picturesque day and you just started talking about your daddy issues and I think it was like the first time we ever like really hung out (laughs) that sounds about right (laughs) and I was like I gotta keep hanging out with her um so no truly and like we constantly just watch tv and like eat food and those are like my favorite friends so I love you I love you um yeah so Telling you my story here. Um, I am 26 years old and I live in California. Um, to go back in time, I always start with, um, you know, I, I feel like I, I had addiction tendencies or I was an alcoholic or I was a drug addict like long before I ever picked up a substance. Um, and I guess it, primarily was around, I had a lot of like compulsive tendencies and I also had all the feelings. Um, so I, again, I grew up in Southern California. Um, I played ice hockey my whole life and that was like my thing. Um, and I was always like, you know, it started really young where I was like, never like the best player, but like, I wasn't terrible. And so, um, I always had to work 10 times harder to like get to the top. And then once I got to the top and I tasted it, that was my drug. It was like, I'm always going to be an overachiever and I'm always going to, you know, work to do something better than other people thought I was going to do. And once I get that feeling, it's like the high that I was looking for. And it's like, see, yes, some people will say that's seeking approval. Absolutely. Um, but for me, it was like even deeper than that. You know, it was more like internal. And it just, that, that exact cycle carried me through my entire life. Um, and at the time, you know, I didn't pick up drugs and alcohol until I was 15, 16. Uh, and I went to boarding school. So I didn't do anything when I was in boarding school. Um, and so I was like pretty late bloomer to the game um, in that sense. Um, so as I said, you know, I played ice hockey um, and, you know, that was a big part of my story. And I ended up going to boarding school when I was, gosh, I was 16. And I went 
3000 miles away from home. I'd like barely been to sleepaway camp. So, you know, I was such a mama's girl. I was like, you know, the straight A, good kid, clean cut, you know, going to do the right thing, went to boarding school and I was so homesick. Oh my God. Um, and that was like the first time I ever experienced depression. Um, like severe depression, like wanting to kill myself, you know, wanting to hurt myself, um, you know, actively trying to hurt myself and um, not going the full way, but, you know, harming myself, inflicting pain. And I also had like this thing, I always laugh because like, if you, I, I had to get, I had to untag myself and all my Facebook photos from like prep school because I had this thing called trichotillomania. Okay, crazy term for something so simple. I used to like pick my hair out. That was like a thing. And it's this thing, it's this compulsive disorder where like you pick your eyebrows or your eyelashes out because you're so stressed out. So I'd be like doing homework and like I'd have to wear gloves because like I didn't have any eyebrows. Like I just like, but there were tendencies, I know you can laugh. There are tendencies that like I picked up that were so addictive. Um, and then the feelings of depression and not being enough and being a people pleaser and just feeling, you know, not good that right, right away I had those feelings. Um, and so again, in prep school, you know, I started out, struggled in school, struggled in hockey, and then I ended up ending up, ended up doing really well in lacrosse and like doing, you know, getting into a division one ice hockey school and, um, you know, getting awards my senior year and like killing it in school. So it was that whole story of like, I started at the bottom and I ended at the top. And like, that was my high, you know, before I ever got to drugs and alcohol. And when it came to friends, like, because I was an ice hockey player, which is an abnormal sport in California to play, like, I didn't really have like, you know, the group or, you know, I have, I have like five or six best friends that have been my best friends since I was like five years old. And they remain my best friends. And, you know, I learned really quickly that you can count your hands on one finger or your friends on one finger, on one hand, I can't speak. Um, and that is, you know, that's one thing I picked up that maybe wasn't as alcoholic, but like really has carried me through. Um, and so when I went to college, it's kind of when my story picks up and gets a little bit more exciting. Um, what I will tell you is my... <laughs> My first night of college, I wet the bed. And, uh, and my second night of college, um, I fell down a thorn bush. And I got a scar on my head. And so everybody called me Harry Potter when I would get drunk for the rest of my college career. Um, Dude, but oh, <laughs> I literally did the exact same thing. I, I pissed my friend's bed. Yep. Was not my bed. <laughs> and then like yes fell into some rose bushes oh my god I was a disaster anyways been there continue mm-hmm. no yeah and like I didn't really like think I had a problem with alcohol you know um but like I was a good time right like I thought that like I was like oh I'm I'm a good time I'm a little bit older than everybody I repeated a grade like I just had no freaking idea like I thought I was so cool right um but inside I didn't inside you know Again, the same story. I went to college and um, there was a change in the team and blah, 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 blah. And we all ended up being walk-ons, you know? And so again, I was like up at 6 a.m. getting on the ice. I was trying to get a 4.0 all the way through. Like 
killing myself to be the best. And I had a great career. I ended up doing very well for myself, but um, it was just that high. And so when I got to my junior year of college, I had had enough. Like I couldn't do it anymore. You know what I mean? It was just like, I was tired. I wasn't happy inside. I didn't know who I was. And it was just like, I need help. And so instead of like going to another therapist, cause I'd gone to therapy my whole life. And like, you know, I was able to like gossip with my therapist. I can, I can manipulate the crap out of them to like talk about my boy problems the whole time and all of this stuff. Like it, and that was a me problem, you know, nothing against therapy, but I was a chronic manipulator. And like, therefore I didn't put into it. What I put into it is what I got out of it, which was nothing, you know? Um, and so what happened was I ended up my junior year of college. Oh God, I'd been in so many toxic relationships and like, I really, it felt so impulsive, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to hook up with a girl. And literally everybody was like, what? And even inside, I was like, what? Um, and it was just, it felt really impulsive. And like, that's another thing about, you know, my experience with alcoholism and drug addiction is like, I just was always so manic and compulsive and, or impulsive and compulsive, all the impulsive, the zibs, I don't know. They call them the isms. They're the zibs too, for me. Um, but essentially what happened was I just like decided I was going to hook up with a girl, you know, go on Bumble, whatever. And I ended up liking it. And you know what? I had a really freaking hard time with that. Um, it was right around the time that like, you know, somebody in my family was getting married and I was the maid of honor. Um, and I was, I was so happy, you know, for that person. And like, I love them to my being like my best friend. Um, but inside I was dying because I was struggling with like coming out and I was struggling with wanting a white picket fence and two golden retriever dogs with like three beautiful children and to be, you know, the homemaker. Like I was struggling and I felt like I couldn't have both. And what I was seeing around me in the world was I couldn't have both. And so that's when I picked up drugs, honestly. Um, and I, I do not blame it on, you know, me coming out. I, I, what I do believe is like, I just had had enough at that point. It was like, that was just my peak. Um, you know, like, I, I don't know if you, if you have anything around that where like, you know, there was an incident that triggered you, but maybe it wasn't the exact reason. It just was the catalyst. Yeah. I, I mean, I've had many, <laughs> whether it be like a breakup. Where do I start? But yeah. Where do I start? There's been so many catalysts, um, many points where it's like, it, it's even about nothing. Like, mm-hmm my hair won't straighten that day. And I'm like, oh my God, I just, I want to fucking die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it comes out in the weirdest ways. Um, it but really I, does. Yeah. I have a quick question for you. So did you, did you come out then or was this still kind of like hidden? Did you tell your parents, your family, your friends? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you more about that. So I did come out. I told my family and it was hard. It was really hard, you know? Um, I have, a, you know, I'm, I'm, I would say I come from a very gay family. (laughs) Um, So nothing new here, just another one, um, as DJ Khaled would say. Um, And I had a hard time with it. And really, it was what was going on inside of me. You know, thankfully, my friends were totally supportive and my family 
you know, after being shocked that I had like been in five year long relationships with guys, like after they got over the shock of it, they were like, Oh yeah. Like I love you. Like there's nothing different here, whatever. Um, inside I was dying because I just could, I felt like I had to make a decision and I wanted, I didn't know if I was bisexual or lesbian or what was going on. Um, and, and what I, and so I just didn't, I just kind of like dated girls and didn't say anything. And like everybody knew, but it was just kind of like, you know, when you see something, but nobody said it, but like, you're literally looking at it and it's kind of just like this weird, like, can we talk about it? Can we not? I felt like that was kind of what it was. Um, but like I said, literally within two weeks of dating a girl, I started doing drugs. Um, and at that time it wasn't like terribly bad. Like it was kind of recreational, right? Like whatever. Um, but you know, very quickly after I started stealing and that was when I knew something was going on. Um, and so, you know, I, again, I like went and worked through the summer cause that was like spring of my junior year. I went and worked through the summer, whatever. And then senior year, um, I was in a relationship and all of this stuff was going on and playing ice hockey. And like, again, my addiction really hadn't picked up that much yet. It was really because, you know, when you're, when you're playing a division one sport, you only get to drink and drug like on the weekend or whatever. And you don't really get to drug either, but, um, um, <laughs> so I got a really bad concussion in ice hockey and I didn't know it. And so this was like the major catalyst for me was, um, I had no idea I was concussed. I had, I had a lot of concussions in college and, um, I ended up trying to kill myself like physically shortly after. And I was in the hospital and it it was in part to my concussion. And like, I was very manic. I didn't know if I was eating or not. I was forgetting everything. Uh, it was just awful. Like I would have a conversation with my mom and then like 10 minutes later, try and have the same conversation with her. And she's like, we literally just talked about this. Um, and so it got to a point where January rolled around, they stuck me right back in school. We didn't know a lot. Like there isn't a lot around concussions or, you know, how to deal with suicide. Like this is all still very new as much as people talk about it on social media. Like, let's be real. There are millions of people out there that like have no idea. Right. And I was one of them. Um, and so shortly after I started smoking a ton of pot, I was taking drugs to go to sleep, taking drugs to get through the day. Uh, I was a big uppers person. So I really liked cocaine. I really liked Adderall. Like I really didn't care for drinking too much. Um, and I did drink whenever I ran out of drugs, but my first choice was drugs and I was going to, and I was going to buy them. I found a dealer. I, you know, I was stealing, I was doing all these things just to get my hands on drugs. Because for me, from my experience, like it helped me get my homework done It helped me get to graduate, even though I am severely concussed and I just need to get to my job. You know what I mean? It was like, help me, help me, help me. I need to overcome this battle. Um, and so a couple of weeks later, I ended up getting alcohol poisoning, embarrassing myself in front of my entire team, in front of all the parents and just like making a complete fool of myself. Um, and I don't even remember drinking. And um, again, like I was very concussed. And so like, that's something I really look back on, like, especially around like after I got the concussion of like, where is the concussion in this? And where is like, me drinking too much in this. And 
I don't know, you know, like I'll never know, but that's okay. And like, I'm, I can live with it today. Like through working a 12 step program, I'm able to live with that and I'm able to like learn from it. Um, so anyway, to speed it up, I ended up going to rehab, um, mostly because of my concussion, because I literally was having, it was just, it was an insane time of life. Um, and when I got out, I just went right back to drugs and, um, because that was going to help me graduate the cocaine, the Adderall. I needed it. I needed it. I needed it. I was taking like 150 milligrams of Adderall a day, like 200 milligrams of Adderall a day. Like that could kill you. Like I found myself in the hospital because I almost had a heart attack. Like I had so many of these instances, but I just needed to like be better than everybody else. And that was how I felt. Um, so I ended up, you know, making an amends and to my team and I ended up graduating and going to work and just like returning to normalcy. Cause that's what my doctors always told me, just keep going. And, and I'm like, yeah, I can do this until about a year into my job. I was just not okay. Um, you know, my mom found a, a pill bottle and I'd taken it in like three days and I'd per- been prescribed it for two months. and that was an issue. <laughs> I guess she thinks it was an issue. It was Thanksgiving when she found it. And, um, I remember just the, dis- it was just, a t- Oh my God, I can't even like think about that conversation. Um, but I tried to white knuckle it, uh, cold Turkey, it, which is like, for those who don't know, it's like when you just give up drugs and alcohol and you don't do anything, right. You don't talk about it. You don't go to therapy. You don't go to a 12 step program. You don't do anything. You just kind of like try to stop. And right away I started drinking um, because I thought drugs were my issue and that drinking was not. And so eventually I I got my hand on a drug and I didn't want to take it. And so I called my mother. I called somebody in a, in a 12 step program that I'd been reached out to by. And I just said like, I don't want to take this. What do I do? And they're like, throw it out the window. Cause I was in my car. And I was like, okay, I'll throw it out the window. And as I went to throw it out the window, I threw it in my mouth. And like, that was me. You know, that was like the moment where I was like, dang, this is something I cannot control. And I'm going to die. For so long, I wanted to die. And in this exact moment, like God or higher power or somebody in my life entered and was like, you're going to die. If you, you keep doing this, you need to stop. And so like, that was it for me. Like that night I went into, um, 12 step program. And I began my journey in recovery and, you know, God willing, I haven't left. Um, and that was like really when my life started. And that's like when I found out who Alex is, you know, I used to go by a different name and, um, that was more, you know, tied to like my hockey career and all these things. And like, what I realized is like, you know, my friends and family never stopped calling me Alex. And like, that's really my name, you know, um, it's, it's the name that I go by and I keep getting questions recently, uh, about why I changed my name and, and I can't really explain it, but when you walk into the rooms of a 12 step program, I feel like for me, it's just like, you feel at home and like what fits, what is what fits. And that's what worked for me. Um, so my journey of recovery, I, I, you know, got clean and sober in Boston. I moved to San Francisco. Um, and that's where I am now. I'm actually in LA because of quarantine. Um, but when I lived in Boston, I got a sponsor 
Um, I started working 12 steps and I, um, went to some meetings and gosh, so I lived in the suburbs at the time and I got this amazing sponsor, you know, for me, it was the program of attraction. Like she was beautiful. She looked like she had her stuff together. Her pool at her house was like sweet. And I went there when I was using, like, it was so freaking cool. I thought like we could do, you know, book work by the pool. This would be great. And so I asked her to be my sponsor and she was a beautiful woman, like just the most kind-hearted woman. And I'm so glad that, you know, like she got me in here. And what she really taught me was, you know, I am powerless and unmanageable. Like I, I can't do this by myself and I need help. Um, and so, you know, that kind of carried me through the first couple of months. And then I ended up moving to the city of Boston where I got a different sponsor And that sponsor, when I moved to the city, I thought, you know, oh, shoot, Um, I know I'm, you know, not good with drugs, but like, what about alcohol? What about all the drugs I haven't taken yet? Like, I'm only 20, I think at the time I was like 23. I was like, I'm only 23. Like, who knows what I'm going to do? Like, I really like going to Vegas. Like, I'm a bit, I want to go to Coachella. Like, I can't do anything anymore. Um, Pour me, pour me a drink. And so her and I worked, you know, some steps together around, realizing that it's everything it's all or nothing you know like it's changing seats on the titanic as they say like no matter what seat you're on you're gonna go down and like that's exactly what i had to do work on um yeah exactly and i've had so many people recently come up to me being like okay i'll give up alcohol but like i don't want to give up weed like no one can get addicted to weed i've heard that over and over again and like true like it's not addictive like alcohol or cocaine is but like you're still using to numb out and like that's mm-hmm. the point it's like you're trying to get rid of what's happening within inside you that you know no amount of drugs or alcohol including weed can fix and like that's where a 12-step recovery like you have to heal yourself mm-hmm. no I'm right there with you and I've even heard CBD recently and I've heard CBD is just another gateway drug to getting into the harder stuff you know like for me like and an addict is an addict an alcoholic is an alcoholic. And like, even if you start small, like the same thing we have in common is like, we're going to go, we're going to end big. We're going to go big. And like, the reality is like, maybe it, and this is just my experience. Maybe it's a month, maybe it's 40 years. Like, but personally, I'm so grateful that, you know, like God entered my life when he did because I have time to like make my amends and like live my life to the fullest. And like, totally turn, you know, the ship around because it was heading towards a dark, dark hole. And like, <clears throat> so I don't know, for me, it's all or nothing. And that's because like, I even recently I've gone into matcha, big matcha fan. And like, it's that caffeine kick, you know? And it's like, I go every day, twice a day to Starbucks and I spend $10 a day on matcha. Like that is the kind of alcoholic and drug addict I am. Like I, when I like something, like I really like you. Like I really, really like you. You know what I mean? I'm the perfect lesbian. Um, and so it's like, I feel like that's how I am with like food <laughs> food and uh, drinks. It's like Diet Coke. I can pound a 12 can, like whatever, a 12 pack in a day, like easily. Like when I visit people, they constantly have drinks ready because they know this girl's going to drink. And like, that's me. I'm exactly like that. Oh my God. I go through like a 12 pack of LaCroix like once every day. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> you have a slight addiction. Um, okay, wait. So did you relapse? Like what happened? And you wanted to go to Coachella and live your life as 23 year olds. Like what, what happened? 
Yeah, no, no, no. Um, great question. I did not relapse. I've been able, so my sobriety date's December 8th, 2017. And I've been able to stay sober a day at a time, God willing. Um, I did not relapse. I was able to work that step again. Um, and that saved my life, you know? And it was like, I don't know, through that sponsor, she will always be like my soulmate, you know? Um, she, you know, we, we got rid of my reservations. We learned how to be a worker among workers and a lot having to do with in the workforce, right? Because it was like my exact addiction with hockey went right into my work. And so like, she was like a very successful corporate woman and like really, really helped me learn how to deal with people, places and things, regardless of what they're doing. And if I hate them, like that's the reality of it, right? Like another tendency of mine, is like, you know, jump to conclusions, be impulsive, you know, be blunt. Um, and so she helped me with that. Um, and so when I was there, gosh, I learned so much in Boston. I'm so partial to, to Boston 12 steps. and. Um, so i ended up moving to San Francisco and I really struggled with that was like, I, my first resentment was against, you know, 12 steps and SF it's SF's fault. Like, blah, 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 blah. and I had to do a lot of work around that to realize that like, you know, God or higher power brought me to a new place, find a new sponsor to work on new things. And especially the service side and like, especially, you know, putting myself outside my comfort zone completely being on my own without friends and family and, and really figuring it out. Um, and not only that, but you know, what I will tell you is like, I had so many God shots and I'll, I'll go back a little bit. So I'm really big on higher power. Um, and just because, you know, this ego and I really need humility, like this isn't all me. And, um, I had a couple of times, a couple of things in, in Boston happen that I always like to share because they're always interesting. And they still are like, I'm still perplexed. Like, I really don't get it. Um, one was, this is so random. I was at a Red Sox baseball game. And my manager at the time, I like owed him five bucks because he bought fries or something. And he's like, hey, can you go get me a Miller Lite? And I'm like, sure. But like, I was kind of irritated because like, I hated Miller Lite. Like, I swear I got so sick over Miller Lite one time. And I was like, you're really going to make me walk to the other side of the stadium for a Miller Lite right now? Um, so anyway, I did obviously, cause I'm a people pleaser and I was on my way over there and I was about three months, six months sober. And uh, so I was like walking over there. I was texting my friend in the program. I was calling my sponsor. I was like, Oh my gosh, like I haven't bought a beer since I got sober. I get in line and I'm sitting there and I'm kind of like, do I leave and let, let him know? Like I'm working a 12 step program. Like what do I do? And the people behind me in line started talking about a 12 step program like in a line to get a Miller Lite. Like, first of all, like, I guess I like Miller Lite more than I thought. But second of all, like, if that isn't a higher power entering your life when you're like hanging on for your life, like, I really don't know what is. And a lot of stuff like that happened. And that was how I realized that like, okay, I'm not alone in this. Like, not only do I go to meetings and meet people in sobriety where I'm like, okay, like, that's my girl, like you, Mel. But I also am constantly surprised by things that are no longer coincidences, but are like something showing up for me in life that like show me that I'm not alone and that I'm on my path. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I mean, for me, I've always wanted to be spiritual. Like I've had this spiritual aspect, but like I used alcohol as my vessel to get there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I would drink to like sit in nature and like connect with God. And, um, 
And I started out with like my higher power, just, you know, I wanted to kill myself and I had something, not me. It was not me. Be like, you don't get to do that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't me who asked to go to rehab. Like it's mm-hmm. something greater than myself has kept me alive. Um, and then that's just grown, you know, like now I have trust. I have trust more than that because I've seen all these quote unquote coincidences that like, there's no way they are, you know, mm-hmm. God shots in like every single day life. Um, so it's, it's just really cool how it transforms, you know, mm-hmm. and how big of a part of my life it is now. Yeah. I was, um, gosh, I was reading something the other day, but essentially it was like, people always told me like, fake it till you make it. And I'm like, how long can I do that for? You know, <laughs> like, is there a timeline? Um, what do I sign? And so I like, and I did, you know, like at first it was like, I went to meetings and that was my higher power. And then I just started saying thank you for stuff. And I like, even if I didn't want to, like if I did well in work, I'd be like, thank you for a really great day. You know, like, or I'd get stuck at a red light and I really need a green light and you'd give me one. And I'd be like, thanks for a green light. Like, that's really great. Um, and I really didn't mean it, but like I did it. And I swear to God that changed my life. And like, I read it in a book that that's what you're supposed to do. And I was like, Oh, I guess I wasn't following these creepos that lied to me. Like this is real stuff here. And like always referring to the book. Um, so that always helped too. Um, but when I was about a year and a half into sobriety, I got a phone call from work being like, Hey, like, you know, this is when I was about to get a new job and all this stuff. And they're like, Hey, like, so, you know, you got the job, but, um, we think you should move to San Francisco so you could be closer to your family and your girlfriend and all this stuff. And I was like, I didn't even ask. And like, I just got the best phone call of my life. Like it was like absurd. And like, again, higher power. I didn't even ask for this and it happened. And like, I, yes, people knew I always wanted to go back, but like it just landed on my plate and like stuff like that happens. Yeah, exactly. So what do you think some of the blessings have come out of you moving to San Francisco? Like what have been the good things and how has your program shifted? Oh, great question. Great question, Mel. What a great host. Um, well, you are one of them. Um, absolutely. I've met, you know, I think that's a really great question. And I've thought about that a lot. Um, one service. So don't get me wrong. Service is huge in Boston. It's huge everywhere within a 12 step program. Um, but it's like a whole other level of service, you know, um, it's not just, you know, picking up chairs at a commitment or putting, you know, and that's a great place to start. Um, you know, being a treasurer, doing different things, like absolutely great place to start, but people in San Francisco really up their service in sponsorship in phone calls in attending events. Like I feel as though it's just a whole other level. And maybe it isn't. And maybe I was just like a year into sobriety and still mocus and like, Oh my God, like everybody help me. And then I got to San Francisco and it's like, Oh no, everybody wants me to help them. And I'm like, no, um, it could have been one or the other, but like, I don't know the way I saw it as God sees fit is that service is important. And so I really picked that up. I'm a treasurer at a uh, meeting at seven days a week. Um, and I make three phone calls a day and that's like my thing. Um, what else have I gotten out of it? Steps. So, you know, where I originally got sober steps were something that you, you know, you learned over time and you took your time on them. And, um, when I got to San Francisco, like I met people that were, you know, six months in and they had finished the steps and I was like, what? Like, 
what? I haven't finished this stuff yet. Like I've been sober for, you know, like my big, my big head. Um, and so that really pushed me to, you know, restart the steps with a new sponsor who is a lovely sponsor. Love her. Um, and you know, move forward with that. And then just like, just discipline. Like I'm calling my sponsor every single night at 8 PM. Like if I'm a minute late, there's a question, you know, um, we, I have a lot more accountability in that sense. And just like really being, you know, I think Sarah on an episode previously was like, it's rock and roll. And like, that's exactly how I feel. It's like hardcore. Um, and so I've definitely picked up my program for good in many ways. And then just in general, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's different. I, I, I have a hard time answering that question, but I think service is number one and steps are number two. That's great. Well, I'm glad that you moved here. <laughs> You've been a pillar in my sobriety. Is that how you say it? A pillar? A pillstone? A pillstone? A tombstone? That's like a big sober word. Pill? Pill? Um, I definitely am not a tombstone. <laughs> um, oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay, a couple more questions for you. So, you know, you, you've really dealt with suicide uh, mm-hmm. suicidal thoughts and depression in your addiction. Mm-hmm. How, how does your depression, if it, if it exists today, what does it look like and how has it transformed since you've gotten sober and what are the tools that you've used to overcome, you know, hard moments? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, yeah, I was so suicidal. Oh my gosh. Before I got sober, I was like, I remember laying in my bed wanting to kill myself for like 60 days and before my mom could get me into a rehab because there's very little mental health resources in this country. Um, we called like 150 facilities and they wouldn't get me in. I'll never forget that. Um, but now how does it look? I have to be honest with you. And I know this isn't everybody's experience, but it's mine, but I feel like it's kind of resided in a lot of ways and don't get me wrong. I have my weeks of like depression and what does that look like? Um, I notice that I'm starting to get depressed when I don't get out of my house, when I don't go to meetings, when I um, don't pick up the phone, when I start to get away from the program and I take my will back. Um, And when I do that, the best thing for me to do is to do what I don't want to (laughs) do. And I think I've learned that is like doing what I don't want to do, calling my sponsor and asking for help and letting her know where I'm at. Um, because I have tried therapy in the program and it's been really helpful. Highly recommend it. Um, I preferred therapy with somebody that's gone through a 12 step program because I didn't like being treated like, Oh, this is what it says in the book. And I'm like, I can read. So like, why are you, why am I paying you $150 for the book? Um, when I got a free one, my first meeting, like, come on. Um, and I have a sponsor for that, you know? And so for me, it was like, I liked going to therapy with somebody in the 12 steps. Um, and that's just a personal preference. And so that helped for some things, but ultimately like, I don't know, it's just a different type of, of depression. I don't think I felt suicidal. Even when I got out of a really tough relationship in sobriety, like I wasn't suicidal and that's very abnormal for me. Like when I get out of relationships, like I go through a big depressing period. But as long as I kept my head down, I kept reading the book, kept calling my sponsor and kept going to meetings. I've been able to stay on the beam, um, you know, pretty consistently in that sense. But I will not tell you that I do not take my will back because I do. It's a minute by minute thing. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, you know, I was suicidal when I came in too. And, um, it was more than just like once I put down the bottle, but like once I started to actually heal what those underlying wounds and thoughts were is when like my depression subsided. Mm -hmm. Um, and now like, yes, like this week, this last week, especially was like, I have not felt those types of feelings of anxiety, depression since like my first week of being sober, but it was Mm -hmm. different because I had tools to manage it. It wasn't like, Oh my God, this feeling is never going to stop. I just like, I Mm. need to end it. It was like, call five people in the program, go to two meetings, call your sponsor, let her know that you don't feel good. Like do all the tools you can. Cause like, I don't want to feel like shit. (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. when like all of that kind of worked or like didn't really worked and like, I didn't feel great. I just sat with my feelings. Like I'm able to just sit Mm -hmm. with myself now, which is huge. Instead of being like, this is the end all. Give me the bottle. I cannot deal. Like I can deal. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I have one more questions for you. Um, Has your, has your sexuality transformed at all? Or do you see any differences from before you got sober? Yeah. um, Good question. You know, I still struggle with that one. I have a wonderful girlfriend. who I've been with for two years now. Um, and she's awesome. And I haven't, I don't know, like not really. Like, I feel like if anything, I've gone more comfortable with myself, but I still struggle with the feelings of the white picket fence. Like I swear to God, it haunts me in my sleep. There's like this white picket fence in my like head, like trying to get in. And I still struggle with like, will I live the same life? And that's something that I've been working on my, with my sponsor on. Um, but I will tell you it's gotten better and it's a daily thing. When I start to have those feelings, I say a prayer and like, I swear to God, it goes away. Um, but do they pop up? Yeah. I mean, I remember somebody telling me in the program that like, if we were relieved of relieved of all of our defects, like nobody would keep coming and like, where would the newcomer go? You know? And so like, it is a defect of mine to overthink things and like to have negative thoughts and to, you know, take my own will back and do what I want to do and, and things like that. And like, yes, I'm not, you know, we, we strive for progress, not perfection. And like, that's exactly where I'm at with it, but it's definitely gotten better. Um, I will absolutely say that. Um, and I've picked, you know, people that are more suitable for me. Like I've, and I, and I've been a better contributor in a relationship than I ever was before. I was crazy, manic, controlling and all of the things. Um, and now I feel like, I'm actually in my first healthy relationship ever. So um, that's huge. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm so proud of you. I love your relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I love yours too. Yeah. Um, we have good times together. We do have good times. Um, yeah, so, okay. So we talked about how you, you know, you worked some of the steps in Boston and then you came to San Francisco and like totally dove in. So I, I think you got up to like, last time what what has been different like what have you seen change by progressing further in the steps this time than before yeah um yeah moving moving was hard um moving in sobriety is hard um but it's absolutely doable right um what what has transformed the honestly the first um and I think I explained that like with my first you know sponsor it was like yes, I'm powerless and I'm manageable over alcohol. Like, make me feel better. And then the second sponsor was like, oh man, like, I kind of have some reservations here. Like, I've never tried acid. Like, I've never tried this. Like, oh, poor me. 
And I relieved myself of those. And then the third time I did the first step, it was like, okay, I get it. Like, I'm definitely an alcoholic. I'm definitely a drug addict. I definitely need your help. Um, and I don't have reservations because I know I'm changing seats on a Titanic. But I really don't like people, places, or things. Like, I really can't stand them. Um, and uh, it's going to make me drink again. And so I had to take another first step. And it was like, man, I am powerless and unmanageable, not only over like substances, but over people, places, and things. And so every time I do the steps again, it is a completely different experience because I'm at a different place in my life and God sees fit to show me more about myself and what's going on in the world. Um, and I experienced the same thing with the third step. You know, when I first took the third step, it was like, okay, I'm going to hand my my life over to somebody that I don't know. And that's okay. I'm just going to fake it till I make it. And I took the third step again when I moved to San Francisco. And I literally, this is bizarre. I took the third step, right, with, with my sponsor at a different time. But I really took the third step, I will say, when I, <laughs> it was COVID. And I had to decide if I was moving. And I had to decide if I was going to sell my furniture or if I was going to put it in a storage bin. And this was like Armageddon for me, honestly. Like I thought I was going to die. And so my sponsor, I called her and I'm like, oh my God, like I tried again. I put my stuff on Facebook, like people want it, but like, I don't know. I really like my stuff. Like literally called her eight times about this fourth thing. And she's like, you already took the third step. And I was like, what? And she's like, you told me that you're storing it. And I was like, oh my God, I took the third step. And I swear that was like the second time I took the third step where it was like, I made a decision and I handed it over. And like, I just, I feel like it's more of a nature of just being sober for a longer amount of time and like seeing things clearly because I was so mocus for so long. Uh, And also a nature of, like I said, you know, God seeing fit for me to move and or a higher power for me, I call my higher power God. Uh, and, you know, putting new people in my life that show me new things. Damn girl, you're killing it. (laughs) Crushing it. (laughs) With the funny stories, I hope. I want to make this entertaining. Yes, with the funny stories, you crack me up. Um, well, those are the only questions I have for you, my dear. Do you have anything else? I have one funny story left. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Cute. (laughs) All right. So I was just talking about this with somebody the other day and they were like, Oh, I feel so bad. Like, um, you know, like I want to feel better. And I was, and we were talking and we were, we both decided that like, you know, this shoe, t- this too shall pass. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I will never forget. So I was like six days sober and I was really, really sad. And, or I was actually, I was really, really happy. And I was like riding my pink cloud around town, whatever. And, um, I was riding in the car with my sponsor. I'll never forget. And I was telling her how great I am. And I was, again, I was like six days sober and she looks at me and she giggles and she goes, ha ha, this too shall pass. And I, and I never really knew what that meant, but it's so true. Like the day at a time thing is so clear to me now. Um, and it all shall pass like the good and the bad, no matter how you take it. And so, um, I don't know. For me, it was funny, but for you, it's probably like, what is she talking about? Um, and that's totally cool too. But for me, you know, as I said, this too shall pass. And, um, you know, today could be a really great day and tomorrow could be, you know, not so good of a day, but I'm able to start over and stay sober a day at a time. Dude. Yes. Actually, April, I remember I texted April, like, 
uh, a month into me being sober, like, oh my God, like I feel so strong and empowered today. And she responded like, hold on to those feelings. Like, always be that way. <laughs> I feel like every sponsor is sitting out there waiting for their sponsee to say that so that they get to like crush their dream. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Like, what do you yeah. mean? It's going to get worse. And it did <laughs> get worse. <laughs> but now yeah. it's better. Every day is different. Um, because we're still a human, dude. Like, <laughs> we're not going to feel perfect and amazing all the time or make all the right decisions. Like, just because we're a 12-step program, you know? That's why I have you to call. No. <laughs> <laughs> Other fucking crazies to talk to. Yeah, literally. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I'm so grateful that you got to come on. And I'm so excited for people to get to hear your story. So thanks for taking the time, girl. And... um Super excited. I'm going to release two episodes this week. You know, I had to take some time off for some health stuff and do all my self-care. And I'm back and better than ever. So look out for those two episodes and uh, I'll see you guys soon. 